Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, November 14th. More than 4 million people in Canada have been diagnosed with diabetes this year alone, and it's estimated that over the next 10 years, diabetes rates are expected to rise 26%. What's behind this remarkable increase, and what resources are available to Canadians living with the disease? We discuss with endocrinologist Dr. Christine Ibrahim. It's one of the most popular diet trends in the world right now, fasting. How much do you know about the process? What are the benefits, and is it a good fit for everyone? We tackle the topic with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, could you surf the internet, get directions, and even take pictures simply by wearing a high-tech pin on your clothing? The gadget guy, Mike Yanni, brings us details of a new wearable piece of tech that basically replaces all that your smartphone does using artificial intelligence. Well, World Diabetes Day is today, November 14th, and millions of Canadians are impacted by this chronic condition. In fact, in 2023 alone, we've seen more than 4 million people in our nation diagnosed with diabetes. That's 10% of the population. Joining us to to discuss the risk factors, prevention, and management strategies is endocrinologist and general intern medicine doctor, Dr. Christine Ibrahim. Good morning to you, doctor. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. That, that, that stat, 4 million people in 2023 diagnosed, it, that sounds like an incredible amount. So what do we uh, put behind this increase in diabetes in Canada? Yeah, you're right. That's an incredible amount. And actually, if you even combine the amount of those who have diabetes or prediabetes, it's actually 30% of all Canadians. So that ends up being 3 in 10, which is a fairly astounding number. And, you know, the reasons, there's, there's a variety. There are um, certainly factors we can't change. So there's ethnicity, uh, gender, family history. So we know genetics plays a role. Certain ethnic groups such as uh, Middle Eastern, South Asians, Indigenous, they have a higher risk of diabetes. Uh, and we know that there are other factors as well, ones that we may have more within our control to, to manage. So sedentary lifestyle, uh, obesity, we know certain medical conditions can cause an increased risk of diabetes. So for women, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a condition that affects about 15% of women, uh, as well as certain medications. So the use of steroids or glucocorticoids can also increase one's risk of diabetes. So, I mean, so many different things, you know, diet related, but that are just part of our everyday life now that are making, you know, more people obviously suffer from diabetes in Canada. How does it contribute to, um, you know, what it, what it means to our healthcare system in, in the end? Yeah, so we know that the, with such a high amount of diabetes, a burden of it, that there is a very strong health economics cost. And it's not just simply from patients going to hospital, being seen for management, but it's also the different factors that can affect one in terms of diabetes. So effects to the heart, to the brain, to the kidneys, for instance, those are all risk factors that can be associated. We also know that there's a significant uh, mental health association as well as just a general burden of cost. If you have care and you can't afford it or you don't have access to the resources, then that, that can certainly also impact the care or quality of care that you're able to achieve. Can you walk us through us, uh, Dr. Ibrahim, in that, you know, if, 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 if I'm just feeling off, I might go to the doctor, um, and I'm sure at that point they would run blood tests and I might find out I have diabetes, but without going to the doctor immediately, what are some of the signs that, that people should look out for when it comes to diabetes? Yeah, so, you know, I definitely want to put in a plug for the, the, the beauty of living in Canada and having access to universal health care where we are able 
I, I obviously understand that some places easier than others, but we, we have the ability to seek access to a primary health care team. So to that point, most individuals who have diabetes actually present asymptomatic, that is to say, with no symptoms at all. If you do develop symptoms, really this is where the blood sugars are quite high in the body. The most common symptoms can be things such as feeling the need to drink more, feeling the need to pee more, feeling more fatigued, moody, blurred vision. You may have some associated weight loss. Uh, sometimes you might feel some of the complications. So you might present even with something as subtle as a burning sensation in your feet. And these can all be signals of high blood sugars in the body. But again, I would like to, to just promote and say it would be important really once you're in an adult stage to have those routine check-ins, especially if you have those familial risk factors, to make sure that that test for the blood sugars and that A1C, which is three-month average of your blood sugars, is not being forgotten. And then, doctor, you know, with all those things that you talked about that were just, unfortunately, a part of life these days for many, you know, the being overweight, the the physical inactivity, all of that. But it is to say that type 2 diabetes can be reversed should we change our lifestyle then, right? Yeah, so, you know, obviously, I've been talking a lot about the high statistics and the concerns that relate to diabetes. But I would also say there is so much that can be done, even independently each individual person uh, and and not just with lifestyle but we're also in a part of the world where there's so many therapy options available it's actually a very exciting time to be able to treat and manage this condition so in terms of lifestyle there is a lot that can be done and i think as diabetes becomes more prevalent more and more of this information is, is being put out there that's at your fingertips to uh, to receive and to achieve so routine activity, healthy diet, we're learning more the importance of avoiding processed and ultra-processed foods, moving towards this concept of talking about things such as whole foods and uh, low-carb and incorporating those food groups into our meal plans. And, you know, we've had the pandemic to work on cooking at home. So it's about taking some of those healthy food options and trying to implement it into routine practice, again, lifestyle is that combination of diet plus exercise. And we've come a long way, Dr. Ibrahim, Ibrahim since uh, Dr. Banting uh, back in uh, the 19, uh, what is it, late 1930s or whatever it might be when he discovered insulin. And I, I went to school uh, around the corner from Banting and Best Elementary and had to learn all about it. Mm. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was such a different time back then. Uh, let's talk about the technology when it comes to monitoring and uh, treating and managing diabetes in 2023, where we are and, and where you see us going. Yes, exactly. And, you know, to your point, there's been so much discovery and so much that's been done. The, the key is to know that diabetes is very common. So I really do believe that any kind of stigma associated with it should really be put by the wayside. We all know someone who has it or a family member or a loved one, or we may have it ourselves. And it is very manageable. I just want to note to, to let you all know that diabetes is a condition that you have. It's not what you're defined by. So we know it's been 101 years since the discovery of insulin. And insulin, insulin actually is, is, is a life-saving therapy for many individuals, particularly those who have type 1 diabetes. So we've got ways to monitor blood sugar with these uh, continuous glucose monitors. Prior to that, you had your finger post, poke tests that you could do. 
And that way it helps provide you information on what's happening with your sugars, how to adjust, how to catch and protect from sugars being too high or sugars being too low, where that can also be dangerous. We've got medications in addition to lifestyle that can help manage the blood sugars very well, save off these complications. And we've also got newer agents coming to the market, such as these once-weekly injections, that can have such a profound impact in lowering the blood sugar, it may also even result in remission of diabetes. And so as we work towards a cure, it's important to know that we're also in a really good place right now where this can be very manageable for patients and you can live a full and fulfilling life despite having this diagnosis. Speaking of great information, diabetes.ca on this World Diabetes Day and November Diabetes Awareness Month. Lots of great information at diabetes.ca. Thank you so much for your time this morning, doctor. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Dr. Christine Ibrahim is a general internal medicine doctor and endocrinologist. Again, more info, lots of great information at diabetes.ca. It is one of the most popular diet trends in Mm. the world right now, fasting or intermittent fasting. How much do you know about the process and what are the benefits and is it a good fit for everyone? We thought we'd put these questions to Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. And now we've talked about fad diets, different types of diets, and I believe we've entered into the discussion for intermittent fasting, but it does not seem to be slowing down. In fact, Sue says she has some friends who are kind of delving into that world as well. So let's talk about it first and foremost. Is it a natural process to fast? In some ways, yes. So evolutionary-wise, our human body is made for this because back in the day, if we think of prehistoric man, we were in a hunting gathering type of society. We could kill something and we would eat and then we could not eat for weeks on end until somebody in our community found something or or killed something that we could eat again. So our bodies actually are made to store and our, our bodies are made to not eat for periods of time and we can survive that without any trouble whatsoever. This is how we're built. Does it mean it's good or bad? That's what we're going to get into now. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are. So is it good or bad? Or is it you know determined by how and why and where you do it? So this is fascinating. So this is, you know, it's, it's almost a fad now, right? Everyone's yeah. talking about it. It's big news. This has been going on for centuries and centuries, uh, whether it be religious, whether it be for health benefits. This is nothing new whatsoever. What's new is how we're, how we're uh, putting labels on it. You know, the 16-8 fast, the 5 colon 2 fast, etc. all these different terminologies. But nothing is really new here. There does seem to be benefits. So... Um, if I weighed in on, you know, is this good or bad, uh, I think it's more good than, than bad okay. in the sense that uh, this is something that uh, has very little downside. With, um, so it's cheap. <laughs> you can do it. You don't have to buy things to do it. Uh, nobody's trying to hustle you or sell you uh, with uh, all these different things. Uh, so uh, it's, it's sort of cheap. It's doable. Um, the harm probably is less than the help. So there does seem to be a lot of benefit uh, from a mental health point of view, from a cardiovascular point of view, um, uh, blood sugar control, insulin resistance control seems to have a good benefit from a weight, a loss to weight maintenance point of view. People who do intermittent, uh, intermittent fasting seem to do better um, than people who are not. So, I mean, it seems to have a, a potentially a lot of benefit. 
Um, I guess some of the questions are, is it sustainable? How easy Mm. is this to do? And is it sustainable? Because to be honest, we love to eat. (laughs) We love food. So this is a notion of not eating or not doing something that is actually quite enjoyable. Uh, And that's, I think that's the biggest challenge. Like, how do we incorporate the uh, can we sustain it for the long haul and not make it a fad, make it just part of our regular everyday life? When you when you mentioned enjoy it, I thought you were talking directly to me, like sitting right beside me. <laughs> and enjoy food. But I, I think it's interesting because unlike not unlike a lot of diets, the social aspect, because we like to get down, you know, uh, to business and have a meal with family and friends. And that's how we connect. Uh, but bigger than that, I want to ask you, because I know it's not a one size fits all. But what do you talk to uh, when you have, you know, patients and asking about it? Uh, how do you uh, tell them to get started? Because mm-hmm. uh, it would be interesting to me to know how to get started with so many different types uh, to promote success success on uh, trying a fasting of, of the intermittent variety? Yeah, I think the easiest uh, version of this is um, we're looking at that 16-8 uh, type of approach, meaning I only eat for a limited amount of time per day, and I cannot eat outside of those hours. So some people say the 8 could be 10. Uh, it's hard to say when to start it. But it basically what it's doing is eliminating eating late at night and that late night snack. It's forcing us to eat uh, perhaps a bit healthier and within a refined or defined time limit, right? So if it's if we're going with an eight, if I get up, you know, eat a breakfast at seven, then I'm really talking about three o'clock in the afternoon and really nothing after that. So that means I have to eat an earlier supper and perhaps I'm not that hungry, so it'll be lighter. And then I don't touch anything after that. That's a fascinating approach. Um, And I'm saying that it could be 10, it could be, you know, variations of a theme, but I'm eliminating a large meal late at night, which is probably the unhealthiest way to Mm -hmm. eat. So by doing that, it's a simple maneuver. We get less calorie in. We're probably eating a little bit healthier because we're not snacking. And and that's a beautiful way to start or get uh, get used to sort of restricting or defining when we eat, when we cannot eat. Dr. Jay Gale texted in to say toddlers do intermittent fasting beautifully, eat when you're hungry. But so that kind of brings up a question to me. Is there, you know, you shouldn't really do this with kids, right? They're, they just really should just eat when they need to eat and eat healthily throughout the day, correct? I mean, is there a, a better age group that should do intermittent fasting or is it safe for everybody? Yeah, this is this is more an adult issue. What's uh, I don't think uh, kids would fall into this parameter because you're right. Kids are much more that grazing, that you know, little snacks all the time. Uh, the difference might be if somebody, uh, if a kid is really having some issues with weight weight management and obesity, that might be different. Where we do want to uh, try to define this a little more. But your healthy, active kid this is not for them. This is an adult thing. This is not for pregnant women. This is not for insulin-dependent diabetics. Um, You know, so there are different categories where we have to be very careful with this, but this is for somebody who's adult, who's struggling with weight, perhaps, struggling with the way they eat and want to clean things up, maybe lose a little bit of weight and try to maintain a lighter weight and feel healthier with how they're eating. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Dr. J. We appreciate it. Okay, you betcha. Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. This Tuesday, Tech Tuesday to be precise, gadget guy Mike Yanni joins us this morning with some of the top tech headlines, including why your Gmail account could be deleted by Google and why online ads could soon look a lot different. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Great topics, but first, let's talk about what could be the biggest tech product to hit the market in years. Tell us about this. 
I am cautiously optimistic and really excited about this. Have you guys heard about the Humane AI pin? Well, actually, we, we talked about it. I think we talked about it was it maybe a month ago. Do you remember this? I yeah, do vaguely. Absolutely. Explain. Yeah, so it's just, it's a basically a badge that you wear on your chest. It pins onto your clothes, and it's supposed to do everything you can do with a smartphone, but without the phone. You just do it through artificial intelligence and your voice. So, of course, a smartphone, it relies on apps, right? You have to tell your smartphone what app you want to use, and then you have to do it. But with this one, there's no apps built in, or if they are, they're hidden, and it just uses your everyday language, and it supposedly does everything your phone does. So, for example, you know, there's a, there's a built-in camera. So you're supposedly be able to say to your little the device, um, I'm on a low-calorie diet. You can hold up the food, and it'll say whether it's appropriate for your diet. It's huh. supposed to be able to auto-translate languages on the fly in real time. There's a little projector on there, so if you do need to see a little display or or a readout of a text message or something, it'll actually shine onto the palm of your hand. So the really interesting things like that. And I'm I'm curious because you guys think about it. What has kind of if you're a nerd, hmm. and I know I know you guys are, I know yeah, secretly you totally. What's been so exciting in the in the tech world in the last five years? Has there been a smartphone that's been creating a buzz or a tablet or a TV? It's been pretty quiet, yeah, right? It really yeah, has. No, absolutely. So this is interesting. You know, I honestly I think it might flop <laughs> because there's so much unknown about it. Yeah. These are former Apple employees that have really? put this, uh, this out. It comes out in two days. We haven't really seen any live demos whatsoever. It's just marketing. And as we talked about, I think a month ago on the Paris uh, Fashion Week, it debuted quietly. It just showed up on some of the models on stage. But here's my, my question, because you're one note there with formal, former Apple employees. This really truly has nothing to do with Apple itself, does it? Absolutely nothing. This is a completely separate company just by former Apple employees. So they're smart with their marketing. It's certainly getting people to, like me talking about it. And I'm curious. Launches in two days, $700 in the U.S. You still need to buy a monthly data plan for about 24 bucks. Huh. I don't think it's going to work in Canada only because it's strictly to one of the carriers in the States. So I don't know if it's going to work here. But I'm really intrigued by this. Is this going to be the next big thing? Or is it going to be a flop like Google Glass? I was going to say just like the glasses. I don't know. I can't really see it. Because what do we use our phones for most of the time? It's for taking pictures. Like, is this thing going to be, like, am I going to tap the little thing and I'm going to take a picture with my chest? No, you can just say take a picture. But it does have a camera. But it I does wanna, have like, a camera. I know, but I want to be able to zoom in, do my own thing. I don't know. I just, I think, feel like this is, I like but, to hold something in my hand, like the phone, you know? Maybe. I, agree, I don't but, know. But, Sue, what if you can just say, hey, take a picture and crop it so you only see the, the person? Okay. What if it doesn't? Maybe it's I don't cool. know. I'd I'm like thinking Star Trek, the little bu the button that they wear on Star Trek, <laughs> dun, you know? Dun, dun. Yeah. Maybe it's something I like know. that. I know. This could be the start of something big, though, when we're just yeah, interacting yeah. Gadgets just with regular everyday talk, right? We need yeah, to open absolutely. our minds, Mike. But, uh, yes. you know, that is one thing we want to continue on and uh, talk uh, other incredible things coming out of the world of tech, including ads. Oh, wow. <laughs> Google ads. Uh, if, you, if you surf, you see enough of them. Uh, but they could be changing a bit. Tell us about this. I don't know how to feel about this because Google now is allowing uh, people to use AI to design their ads. This has been prohibited up, up until now. And so now Google's with their tools for Google ads, you can use AI. So with your voice, you can say, hey, I'm going to sell this. I want you to show this and I want the text to look like this. And then the artificial intelligence is supposed to customize that ad to make it the most effective ad possible. 
And I don't know how to feel about it because part of me thinks I might see some funny ads now because do you remember when like the very first AI videos came out that were like spoof commercials of, you know, pizza restaurants and the faces were like yeah, melted. Yeah. The fingers. And the text was funny. Um, I don't know. Are we going to see that? Or now are we going to see these hyper sensitive ads that are really targeting you? And I'm now I'm going to want to click on them. I, I'm not too sure how, how to feel about this. Huh. That's interesting, but you know, I, I need to push you to get to this because this the one's freaking me out. You, you said earlier, Google might delete our Gmail accounts. What? Yeah, they're uh, actually December 1st. They're going to start deleting thousands, tens of thousands of email accounts. The key is they will delete it if you haven't used it within the last two years. Oh, okay. They said it's a safety issue that oh. hackers, um, they like to take over email accounts that haven't been used because you have no idea that they're going to use them. They'll take over it and they'll do spam and other things like that. So they said it's a safety issue. So if you haven't logged into your Gmail account and let's say uh, you have, you know, an email like hot stud at Gmail, Andy, I think that was that yours. That was yours. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, saw it. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> Make sure you log into it if you haven't for a while because it will be deleted. You won't have access to it anymore. So just a, a heads up. Huh. All right. Good stuff. And uh, super wow. timely. No, uh, December 1st, we've just got a couple of weeks. So find that old one. And then again, if you're not using it anyway and you don't What's even the remember the password, then just nuke it anyway, I guess. Why not? Andy, will you get me that AI pin for Christmas? Absolutely, I will. Thanks. Although then you'll be, I can track you wherever I want. <laughs> There's the other <laughs> like part. Like you don't anyway. Wearing a trackable pin. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mike. Have a great rest of your week. Always a pleasure. That is the Gadget Guy, Mike Yanni. You can find out more about what he does on social media at Gadget Guy Mike. Or, of course, go to YouTube and search his channel by typing in Gadget Guy Mike Yanni.